Hey friends, welcome to another Timmins podcast. Uh, I am Timmin. Thank you for listening. Um, to everyone who's a new time listener, I appreciate you. Hope you enjoy it. Um, if you don't enjoy it, I'm sorry you, you wasted your time listening, I guess. Uh, but hey, this this podcast it means a lot to me. The person I'm about to uh, expose you guys to is the pastor of my church. Um, and honestly, a spiritual leader in my life, um, as well as just someone who's who's been a really good friend. Um, so Kyle is his name's Kyle. He he has been someone who, in a dark time in my life, uh, was there to put to pour into me and help me find who I was. And so we talked a little bit about this, but. When we really connected, it was after when I got out of college, um, and I just felt really lost in life, in identity, like who I was personally, um, spiritually. I wasn't really someone who was into spiritual stuff, um, and so we got connected. And uh, I guess the best way I could say this is: is for a long time, um, I was always trying to get back to who I was. If that makes sense. Uh, I just felt like I was being every. I was trying to be who everyone wanted me to be, and um, uh, through just spending time with Kyle and not him, like actually just hammering in things, just like the way that he he has influenced my life has just been like these gentle nudges, um, and I've just kind of like lights light bulbs turning on in rooms. And I mean, I can honestly say, me personally, I feel like I live. For me, I live the way that my eight-year-old self would want me to live, if that makes sense. I love doing things. I'm curious. I like who I am. Um, you know, a lot of that is attributed to Kyle. And so that's why I kind of want to expose him to you guys. He's kind of Goshen's best-kept secret in a way. Um, and so, you know, we get into some spiritual things. And, uh, you know, listen, don't listen. It's up to you guys. Uh, I just want to tell you that at the, at the start. But what he has done for me uh, has been authentic, and he lives a life of authenticity, and I've seen that. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm proud to share Kyle Cook. So please enjoy. And we're live. Welcome, Kyle, to Timmy's podcast. Thank you. I'm just drinking a beer right now. <laughs> just drinking a beer. So oh, well, I'm gonna turn off my uh, washer. So that we can actually hear each other. <laughs> um, so uh, for our audience, my audience, they, Kyle is my pastor, and um, he has been someone super influential in my life. And so I thought this would be a good conversation. But also, I just like talking to you, so that that's helpful as well. So we just we've already had. A ton is this of just an awkward way to invite me over? Yeah, for a conversation. And, to, and a beer. <laughs> and a beer. And to okay. hang out with you, you know, because yeah. you you. I've been missing you a little bit in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. But it's good. So, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah. So, I kind of ask, I kind of want, what I've done for other people is just ask them kind of how they got to Goshen, just to tell their life story. I don't know if we want to jump into that. Um, we can go whichever direction you want to go. Yeah. Uh, I'll start out and I'll say kind of how I met you, maybe. Yeah. So, we, we first got connected after... Uh, college, so 
um, you were still a youth pastor at my parent where my dad was at Jefferson, where my dad was the the worship leader. Actually, this is good for me to remember. Yeah, I, I don't remember how we. You don't remember that? I mean, I guess we met at church. Yeah, well, but you invited were... me. Okay, Joe, stop. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you invited me to. Uh, you you invited me to that Wednesday night group where we did like, um, where you kind of taught a class. So I met you. And then you invited me to that, and so I said I'd come to that. Honestly, I didn't really like the church that my parents were going to, because um, I told you earlier, when I left for college, they switched to that church. Mm-hmm. We were going to a home group church before that, so we would just meet in a house and chill out. And then they left that, went to Jefferson. I was at college, I came back and was like, this is not my place. These are not my people, but I was living in my parents' house, so I felt like I kind of had to go. Um, and anytime I could kind of get out of it, I tried to get out of it, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, but my dad was a worship pastor, so kind of, yeah. kind of had to go there as well. But um, I do remember that now. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, you started coming to that Wednesday night group, and yep. that group was super fun to teach. Yeah, that group was cool. That group was cool. That was the only cool thing about. That was one of the very cool things about that church. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to crap on it too much. There's a lot of good people there. Oh, yeah. Was, very good was, people. But I, it just wasn't my thing. But So we started doing that, and then you decided you want to start a church um, maybe a year after after college, I think. Um, about a year of me going to there. <clears throat> and so you started yeah. the church that now we currently attend. Um, and so that was really cool, too. So that was like... See, so yeah, I was 22 when I got out of college, 23, so pretty, 23, 24, we did the intern group. So one of the things that you started doing, just for the viewers or the listeners or whatever, is we did an intern group where we would hang out every Tuesday night. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, and just like the Kronos and Kairos moments, talk about, it was like a therapy group. Really, <laughs> yeah. it was. It was like, my name's Timon, I'm a <laughs> yeah. re- recovering uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of problems. I'm a recovering jerk. I'm a recovering yeah. jerk. Yeah, no, it, it was kind of it. You know, and, and honestly, if we are in relationships like we should be, it should be therapeutic. Yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah, it doesn't have to be you know formal like AA or you know their formats, but hanging out in real relationship is therapeutic. Yeah, it, that's one thing I've been realizing is when you have real community. Um, I think mental health decreases because you yeah. can learn from other people's mistakes and hear stories and understand, oh, I'm going through the same thing and there is a way out of that. Yeah. And so I think a lot of, at least my generation, has had a breakdown in community. We have community, which is like our technology, Yeah. but not, it's not real. It's some type of community, but it's not real. Definitely but, artificial. Yeah, it's not. I'm going to take my dog out real quick. Here you go. <laughs> Come on, come on, come on, come on. That's a, this is a fun part about podcasts. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Because you can my dog edit out. it out. Yeah. Just, no, can, I won't edit out. I'd like to keep my, my conversations no. just okay. fully Okay, well, so you won't edit out my beer burp stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no. So, yeah, that's kind of how we met. It's just been one wild ride since. Yeah. That's actually good to... Uh, to remember, I totally forgot how, how that all happened. I I don't remember if I gave this to you or not, but I do remember the first time I actually met you. 
and it was at church after a service you were visiting from college and uh, was talking with your parents and they introduced you to me and I remember having a prophetic word for you I don't remember if I gave it to you or not I don't, I don't remember either. but I actually remember not in detail but I remember a little bit about what the word was it had had to do with um, carrying the mantle of the family and something to that effect and now it's funny looking back you know that's been gosh seven years ago yeah and it's like oh you're actually walking in some of that five years ago yeah. five years okay Maybe, well if I was in college probably seven years ago yeah I think it might have been wow 2012 maybe 11 yeah. 12 something like that but yeah so that's cool that's really cool that is that is really cool that's very interesting hmm. I definitely feel uh, like um, I'm not that I'm the head of my family but like my dad's going to be the head of my family but I feel like we're almost equal or I'm just right underneath it and we're pulling kind of the same way if that makes sense like there's we're a, both there's focused. a weird transition when you go from being just a son yeah because you're always going to be a son yeah but all of a sudden your parents start asking your advice on things <laughs> yeah. and that's like wait a second I don't have diapers on anymore I guess you know yeah. I'm, I'm a big boy I have my own opinions and thoughts but not just that but they start seeing wisdom in you that and how cool is it for them to say, I raised you in such a way that you go so much beyond me that I can actually glean from you now. Yeah. I mean, that's a really cool thing. But it, it's a really weird transition. I remember kind of that awkward stage where I started transitioning into that Yeah. Um, as a son. My parents would ask me my opinion on things, and you know, they don't always listen to your opinion. That's, that's right. a different, uh, different story. But... but to actually value your opinion, well, that's it's interesting. It's different. It is different. Yeah. Now the the relationship with my family has changed a lot for really good things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm really lucky to have the relationship I have. Yeah. So I see a lot of people that don't have that. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of it is on my parents, but a lot of it's me too. I guess you know I've I'm trying to be the person that that would most respect and and be that person. Yeah. for them so it's been cool it's been yeah. interesting yeah so how did you get to Goshen <laughs> born in Goshen <laughs> I kind of popped out <laughs> so uh, you didn't choose Goshen Goshen chose I, yeah, you yeah actually yeah. that's really how it is now the, the thing is actually I've been out of the country I mean out of the state out of the country I've been I've traveled quite a bit I've even kind of temporarily lived out of state or even out of the country um but just felt called back here every time. It yeah. always felt like home. And that may change. There may be a day where, you know, it doesn't feel like home anymore and I'm called somewhere else. But I'm definitely called the Goshen at this time. It's funny, you know, I've, I think back to like high school. I had so many friends that were like, oh, I can't wait to get out of this place. Yeah. Um, well, probably 90% of those people are right back here. <laughs> you know, ten, 10 years later or so, within 10 years, they're back. Yeah, it's not so bad, you know. But it's just funny your perspective when you're like a teenager, you know. Yeah, I had the same thing. Yeah, I thought the same thing. <laughs> then I came back and I'm like, oh, this this is actually really cool. Yeah, it's not not so bad. Yeah. So. What do you think makes Goshen like? What calls you to Goshen? You know, you said you 
you just keep on getting called back. But what do you think it is that calls you? Um, I mean, I definitely think that it's a calling from God that I'm here, you know, um, because there's, I can't think of anything that draws me. I'm not like, oh, the, it's the food. Or, <laughs> it's definitely the Amish crack, you know. <laughs> I mean, donuts. I, I can't tell you that it's anything but that. And I think it's the grace of God that I'm supposed to be here that makes it feel like home. Because I've been in other situations when I like when I moved to New Hampshire for a while, I really thought for for a time, man, I, I grew so much there as a person and matured there so much so rapidly. Actually, I thought, well, surely I'm supposed to stay here. Yeah, the peace wasn't there for me to be there, and it was just like a sandpaper kind of an irritant. Yeah. And that feeling of like, oh man, as much as I want to be here, I need to not be here. Um, and I just had the grace to be here in Goshen. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess it, simply put, yeah, it's just where I'm supposed to be. You just feel at peace. I yeah. felt that as well in different places. Like, Love Florida. But when I was in Florida the last month, I'm like, this is, it's time for me to leave. Mm. And you just, you know, it's time for you to leave. It's like this, <clears throat> it's this weird. Yep. Uh, not weird, but it's this feeling. Oh, you're good. It happens. <laughs> whack the mic. Five dollar mics on the Amazon. Like know. whack a mole. <laughs> so born here. So you moved to New Hampshire. Yep. Okay. So did you go to Goshen High School? You went to. I went to Northridge. I was okay. in one of those. One, one of those guys. <laughs> and I was a real piece of work. Let me just tell you. Oh man. <laughs> I think back and I'm like, man, I've come a long way. In fact, actually, when I was a youth pastor, I'd go back to my high school. And a lot of a lot of my teachers that I had when I was there um, were still teachers, and they'd be like, "Hey, what, what are you doing here?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm visiting some of my students." And they'd be like, "What do you mean students?" I'm like, "Oh, my youth. I'm a youth pastor." And they'd give me this look. Like, <laughs> You're a youth pastor? I'm like, yeah, that's that's my testimony. That's my testimony. So yeah, I've come a long way. But uh, yeah. Weird to think about, but yeah. So I went to went to Northridge, and I was that jock slash. Well, it, actually, I was kind of a unique. I don't. It didn't really fit anywhere because I fit everywhere. If that yeah. makes sense, I, yeah. I know that's a weird thing to even say. But um, I was you would in, sit at every table at lunch. You could sit with the cool kids. You could no, sit with the jokers. No, no. I definitely see. That's that was my issue. I, I was way too concerned about being popular. So I would not sit with the kids that weren't cool. Uh, and because I was an athlete, um, I was in three sports at one point. Um, you know, I was always with the, the more popular kids, if you want to say that. Uh, but I was, I kind of swallowed my pride because I loved music enough that I was in band and choir. Oh, wow. Now, when I, <laughs> I, had, I was in marching band. So, in the drum line, and I always use the excuse, well, drums are cool. I'm not one of those band nerds, you know. I, like I said, I, I was a real piece of work. <laughs> but, you know, I got a lot of crap from my friends, quote-unquote friends, for being in band. Um, honestly, they, looking back, like, and actually some, some of the conversations I had with, with some of them were like, oh, I wish I could play drums. Like, they would say stuff. So, really, it was just jealousy. Yeah. But it was like, but we hang out with you and we're cool and you're looking not cool, which makes us not look cool. So we're going to put you down, you know. So I, I dealt it's with cool. a lot cool. of weird stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and we won't go into the whole depths of that awkward teenage stuff. 
But anyway, it, it was kind of a unique thing because I was in band choir. I mean, literally, I was in show choir. I was in different choirs. I, I played in the band and in, in drum line. I was on sports teams. I was even in a musical at one point in time. So I interacted with people from like every group. Yeah. And yeah. and actually, it wasn't until my senior year that I realized. I don't know. You kind of start to mature, and you're like, "Wait a second, this is the end of school." Yeah. And it wasn't until that point in, in realization where I I was like, "Okay, I'm not maybe ever going to see some of these people again. How do I want to spend my last year?" And so, you know, I didn't have like a complete transformation on the spot, but but I did start thinking to myself, you know a lot of my quote-unquote friends are probably not my real friends. Yeah. And some of these other people may be a little weird and quirky, and but uh, maybe I have better friend quality qualities than some of these other people. So I started actually pulling away from my friend group a little bit and um, kind of branching out. Year. This is my senior year. Yeah. Um, and so, and honestly, because of just trying to fit in, being the cool crowd, all that, you know, I was, I would consider myself probably a bully to a degree. I mean, I wasn't like always looking for someone to beat up or anything like that, but definitely there was constant, like, how do I put this person in a light that makes me look good and them not yeah. like just constantly um, looking for opportunities. Anywhere. Yeah. And, yeah. and for that matter, I was literally voted the class clown. So, like, I was always the center of attention, um, and we can go on another day about <laughs> why that was, but again, I said I was a piece of work. But, you know, looking back, like, I was anything to, to draw attention, to, you know, be the center of attention, and if it was at someone else's expense, I didn't really care. Yeah. But some of that started to fade even my senior year. Um, mm. Wasn't a, you know, instant transformation, but... And then um, a lot of my friend group, like I said, quote unquote friends, right. I lost a lot of them. That senior year? After we graduated. Ah, okay. <clears throat> so, you know, we maintained friendship throughout that year. But You hung um, out that summer, then they went off and did something, you went off and did something, never talked to them again. Yeah, some of them I stayed connected with the next couple of years, but it just faded. Yeah. Definitely faded. And then there was this other transformation, and, and that, again, is a whole other story where um, God just started, got a, really got a hold of me and completely transformed my life to where now I didn't even care about being popular. That was like the last of my concern. Like then I really had a transformation. Was that after? That was after high school. Okay. Was that during college or? Yes. It was <clears throat> actually my senior year in college. Okay. And I took two years off before I went to college. So it was, you know, so like four years out of, 24 then. Yeah. Okay. And just had this complete turnaround. And I went away for part of that time in New Hampshire, came back. And then when I would see some of my friends there, they didn't even know what to do with me. <laughs> so I really lost, not intentionally. It's not like I was like, Oh, I'm a Christian now. You yeah. know, I can't hang out with you. It was nothing like that. Uh, it was just like, well, we kind of want to drink and we want to do these things and we don't really want to feel bad about it. So we're not going to invite you anymore. Yeah. It was more like that. And your, who you were was almost like a direct opposition to what they were. Yes. Okay. And just like I was doing in high school, I was friends with people for how it made me look and feel. 
mm. I realized they were doing the same thing to me now. Because that was like, I didn't mind being there and just being with them. I didn't have to drink. I didn't have to do this, you know, whatever they were doing. Right. But um, they felt like, well, but Kyle's not entertaining us anymore. Yeah. And so it was just like, well, what are we going to get out of having him around? You know, let's uh-huh. just not do that. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a lot more to it than that. But so I just, it, that was kind of hard because um, then I moved into ministry role. And then you're in a whole nother weird kind of realm where uh, you have, I have a lot of friends, but a lot of, I don't have a lot of friends that I am not leading yeah. who are, who are legitimate peers where I, they're not coming to me for things and then going away. Like, you know, a friendship where it's actually two way. Right. Most of it's you just pouring into people. Yes. And, you know, you love those people and you like even to hang out with them, but it's not the same as a two-way friendship. friendship. Yeah, that's interesting. So that put me yet into another camp. Like almost an isolated box. Kind it of. is. So then you have to... And, and honestly, I'm still there in, in that transition of like, yeah, who are my friends? Because actually most of my legitimate friends um, live out of state. Yeah. And that's kind of hard. So yeah. we talk on the phone and stuff, but that's not the same. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's been a weird thing. So oddly enough, and I'm just having this thought now, you know, I've always been pretty outgoing. I've always um, found it very easy to interact with people. And yet relationships really have been a struggle in a way. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that makes sense. I've counseled a lot of people through the the reality of the thing you're gifted at and called to, you struggle with many times in your life for many different reasons. And I'm having that thought right now. like, Because oh, you're yeah. called to relationships. Yes. But you're, you struggle with them. As You've well. had difficulty. And it causes you to grow and kind of conquer and gain authority in those areas of your life. And then you can navigate them better and more efficiently with wisdom and help others to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I've not really thought much about that for myself. Welcome to Timmy's podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> where revelations happen. Oh man. Oh, I'm sitting man. under your wisdom right now. Yeah, that's good. That's really <clears throat> interesting. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, not the same exact thing as you, but they do. They're like, why why do I pour out so much of this, but I can't receive the same thing? I think it's just because, you know, you're right. You struggle with the thing that you are gifted in. Yes. You know, you don't receive the same thing sometimes. As well, and it's just like, uh, you know, you think of someone in the military. You know, you would not want someone leading your battalion or your platoon or whatever they even call it anymore. I'm not, a, I'm not an army guy, military guy, but... If I was in the military, I wouldn't want to be led by someone that's like, well, I've never shot the gun. I've never had a gun shot at me. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been in war. I've just been taught about it. Yeah. Well, screw that. I'll go with this guy over here that's been in the trenches. It's been through five of them. Yeah, long. exactly. <laughs> yeah, he may be missing an eye, but... And has yeah. has made mistakes and uh, failures, but also had victories and learned from them. And I want to be led by someone that walk, walks with a limp, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And how true is that in any area of our life where we're gifted and called, you want to be, you want to walk with a limp because yeah. you learn from that. Um, it's easier to learn from someone else's limp than to have your limp yourself. So I've been learning. It's yep. just like, 
Okay, you've learned this. Okay, teach me so I don't have to do and go through. And it's a way faster if I learn from you. Yes. Like in business and stuff. From yeah. even my boss. I'm like. Absolutely. You know, it's it's been awesome that way. To, he's gone through and forged himself. And it's like, oh, these are all the trips. I mean, it takes or all the little shortcuts and all the little stuff that you can. Yep. You know, tips and tricks and stuff I can get through. Okay, yeah, awesome. And then hopefully it's less of a learning curve for you to, to go then yeah. because of him. Yeah. That's how it should be. Yeah, I think so. But it goes back to talking about our parents. Yeah, you know I mean, we're standing on platforms. Yeah. I feel like it's like someone's built a platform. Let me jump from that one. Yeah. So yeah. it's really interesting. So um, your senior year of college, where'd you go to college? <laughs> That's a funny story. <laughs> I know the answer. <laughs> but I would love to hear the story. So growing up in Goshen, of course. I always said, oh, I'm never going to Goshen College for a multitude of reasons. And I went to Goshen College. <laughs> and it was really hard to, to say no to because, you know, I'm like weighing my options. And, and again, like I, I worked two years out of high school, so I didn't take the traditional like, hey, I'm going to college right out of high school. I'm still a snot nose, you know, 18-year-old, yeah. and I just really want to party and have the college life. For me, it was a career decision or a life decision. It was, it was. Um, I'm actually going because I want to, and I want to get an education to do what I want to, to have some freedom. Yeah. Um, so I was looking for an education, not a campus life, you know. Yeah. So I was weighing my options and had another school I was looking at and was not looking at Goshen College because I was like, I'm never going there. It's just not going to happen. But then I realized um, because my dad worked there that I was going to get to go for free now it was actually a 75 percent discount but when you factored in the fact that i was poor and all those other things <laughs> it was free basically i paid for it. books and actually my my senior year i i got paid like 1500 dollars to go to school oh that's crazy you know, which like that's amazing i mean talk about a blessing i've got friends that are tens of yeah. thousands of dollars into student loan debt now still yeah mid-30s so um once I started weighing things, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going for the campus life. I don't really care who goes there. It's a private school. It's a really good education. It's an expensive education. I get to go for free. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And it was a really, I stayed, lived at home, commuted. 10, 15-minute commute. That's, yeah, I mean, that's super easy. I was super spoiled. So that's where I ended up going. And I, and I really did. I got a good, really good education. And spiritually, actually, it was really good for me, too. It frustrated the heck out of me. But it was exactly what I needed because looking back, I see there were some things, some views that were so out of line and out of balance um, at the college that it forced me to have to... It, it did a couple things. It forced me, for one, on some of those to be like, well, why do I believe what I do? So I had to kind of do some searching, which was good. Yeah. And then on some other the issues, it was like, oh, okay, well, maybe they're a little far on this side, but I'm too far on the other side. So it pulled you And it more. pulled me more to balance. That's awesome. So it was actually really good for me. Yeah. Exposed me some to some real nonsense, to be honest. That you believed? No, that they, they believed. believed. But it was it was nonsense that had had me question enough to see that I was out of balance as well. Mm. Um, and so, so it was actually good. Now, looking back, like I don't recommend that school to people <laughs> that are 
not pretty solidly grounded yeah. for that reason. But if they're pretty solid, because you know you can be you can be warped into believing just about anything um, if you're eighteen and it's not nose exactly. and don't know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you're you're talking with some pretty thinking smart professors. Yeah, they're too smart for their own good. A lot of them. Um, and if again, if you don't have a good foundation, you can get into some really wacky stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my experience there. Um, got a good education, and that's about all I can say about my experience there. What was it like to commute? Did you feel like you didn't get as much of a community because of that? Or? Yeah, but I wasn't looking for community. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I mean, okay. You're focusing on education. So, and, and I shouldn't blow it off quite that easily. Um, I did for the first two years. I played baseball too. Okay. Because uh, they weren't a good team, and I was a good player in high school. So it was like, it's not like I wasn't going to make the team. It was kind of like, oh, whatever, I'll play. Yeah. So I played. I've got a record there, actually. Hit really? by pitches. <laughs> uh, was it 14, I think, in a season? Something like that. <laughs> My arm is permanently numb for about a year. Oh wow, <laughs> that's my claim to fame. That's that's a is record you the, really want to show rec? off. If you go to the gym, do you see like your picture? And I don't think so like... there, but it is on online. Yeah, some stats you or know. something. Uh, oh, cool. No one's come really that close to beating it yet. <laughs> so I was just I was a machine. I would lean into everything. But so anyway. Uh... Your on base percentage is pretty high because of the... <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Exactly. So, so I played baseball, and again, um, well, actually, the baseball players notoriously were the black sheep on campus. Yeah. So then I was like paired with these people that everyone hated. Oh wow. Because <laughs> they were more conservative, more like I don't really care what you think, you yeah. know, and I don't care about your academic prowess, like screw you go f yourself i mean it really that was like the mentality of the baseball players towards the the professors and and vice versa yeah um they weren't real well liked um so i was kind of in with that crowd which is kind of funny it was uh, there was always something entertaining to watch uh at lunch or whatever but um so yeah i did have some community but i again i wasn't going there looking for it yeah it's just I'm here to get an education, and, and that's that. That's it. So, it's interesting. And then my my last year, I ended up I was married for my senior year and had my own house. So I, again, I was kind of the age of college, but I was in a life situation that was different than most people. I had already matured quite a bit because I I had to pull up my britches when I went to work for two years. You yeah. Know? And and you really you do you mature quite a bit, or at least I did. When you were made working. some real major bonehead mistakes. Uh, which is again another another story, but <laughs> as as a an idiot eighteen nineteen year old working in the factory, um, but I, I learned from a lot of that. So yeah, and, and is that when you moved to New Hampshire? Because after college, then I went directly from college the very next the very next fall to New Hampshire to do ministry school instead of working. And I was a business major, so my original plan was like, yeah, I kind of know that someday I'm called to do some kind of ministry, but that's after I do what I want and make a bunch of money. Right. That was my plan. And God had total different idea for my life. Um, and my, my life literally got 
completely turned upside down. And so, um, yeah, sold, put, put my, sold my motorcycle, put my house up for sale. My wife quit her job, which she loved. Um, mm. She was a loan officer and just moved. Wow. What, what brought that about? Like, how did like, that happen? Gosh. Now, that is a long story, but the short version is... Yeah, all um, the time. Yeah. So, basically, um, I got sick physically, and it was the beginning of second semester of my senior year. This is why you're still in college. Yep, yeah. still in still in college. Yeah, your second semester. So, like December or January, February ish. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when it really it, it kind of came on, and then all of a sudden hit real hard. Yeah. And without going to the, all the details, it was basically just I looked perfectly fine on the outside, but on the inside, like I was dizzy and just weird stuff was happening. And I was going to the doctors, and they couldn't find anything. And that's even worse. You're like the doctor didn't even know what's going on. What the heck is going on with me? I thought I was going to die. I mean, I dealt with just buckets of anxiety through that whole ordeal. Um, but here's the thing, and, and this is kind of the short version of the story, but going through all that, um, everyone's different, you know? And I think, you know, now I, you could debate whether God caused it or allowed it or whether he had anything to do with it or not. And I won't even go into that conversation, but I do know that he used it. Hmm. Um, so he, he used it as, as a kind of a time when I was really weak. I mean, physically, literally weak. I couldn't do anything. I mean, I was like, and I went from being a, uh, an athlete, you yeah. know, I, mean, I was two I'm, years in college playing baseball. I mean, I'm five foot eight. I weighed 160 pounds and I could bench press almost 300 pounds. Oh, wow. I mean, I was very physically fit and I went from that to like, I couldn't mow my own yard. I was sitting in a chair most of the day. Wow. I could get up and go to the bathroom and come back and sit in my chair. That was about it. All day, every day. Just sit there and think about what the heck is going on with my myself. So in that time... How long was this time? Like, <clears throat> Well, it was months. Okay. I mean, and actually it was years, but um, different various parts of that journey. But I was sitting there in that chair, and I had no hope. Except for when I would open the Bible, read some scripture, listen to some teachings, and I'm like, there's hope. I don't have any hope in my, in my situation. When I look at my situation, I have no hope because the doctors can't figure out what's wrong with me, and I'm not getting better. But there was hope there. So, again, fast forward a couple months of that. Um, I'm sitting listening to a teaching of John Paul Jackson. And I'm like, man, this is like, this is giving me hope in a hopeless situation. And I found out he had an internship, like a ministry school. And all of a sudden I, I thought about like, it, I mean, in my mind, it was like the stupidest, craziest thing I could think of doing. Like I just graduated college with a business degree. I should be going into business. Um, but the only thing I have peace about and actually gave me joy was to go to this school. And it made no sense. Hmm. So I'm like, okay, how do I bring this up to my wife? You know, because this is a this is a big change. So we talked about it, and the only thing I can think of is that my wife is just a saint, and she was like, well, 
if you feel like this is what we're supposed to do, we'll do it. And so, like I said, we put my house up for sale. I sold my motorcycle, which that was a huge one for me, and moved across the country. And it was the best thing I've ever done. Wow. Um, so what, you know, and I could go on for literally hours of what all God was doing in that time. That's why I'm giving you the short version because it is, it is deep layers yeah. and layers and layers. But what I will say generally is um, in that short two, let's just say two year period, um, I grew at the rate that I had been growing up until then, my whole life up until then, spiritually. I, at that rate, in two years, I grew probably 40 years. Wow. And that is not an exaggeration. I came back and people did not know who I was. I was a different person. Um, and again, I can't take credit for any of that. I didn't like suddenly like pull up my bootstraps and like, I'm going to change. I'm going to be this new person. I'm going to do this thing. This is my life now. I, I can't take credit for any of it. I, in fact, I didn't. I'm sure I prayed the prayer sometime to ask for it, but I didn't know that I asked for it. Um, God just took hold of me and literally changed my life. Was it just kind of like you were on for the ride after you said, let's do it, you did it, and you were on for the ride? Or was there a lot of work you had to do for in that growing? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was work. Yeah, you had to there do. was a lot of work, but um, in that time, there was so much grace for me that it, it's what I wanted to do. Like, I actually wanted to do it. It wasn't labor. Um, it was like an invitation. And I'm like, whoa, wait, I get to do this? Like, okay, this is awesome. Oh, and then I also learned, like, I, you know, I grew up in the church. Yeah. But then I learned, like, oh, this is a totally different thing. This, this, is, isn't, this isn't church. It's not religion. This is, like, the kingdom. Kingdom of God this reality of relationship with him like this is not church this is totally different and it actually has implications it's not just like well this is my life i do what i want to do and i go to church to kind of give god like a thumbs up like i'm doing this thing for you jesus you know like but i'm really going to do whatever i want to do i went from that to like oh i have nothing like I don't breathe another breath unless he says, go for it. I don't live. I don't blink. I don't breathe. I don't do anything. I don't have any gifts. I don't have any skills. I don't have any calling. I don't have anything to my name without him giving it to me. And then I realized, oh, like, I don't add him to my life. He is my life. There is nothing else. And so, like, that was, that's a transformation. Yeah. I mean, that's a complete paradigm shift. Um, and, and that'll... You come back, and that's why I say I came back, and people didn't know who I was. Yeah. Because you have that type of a paradigm shift, and you're like, like I don't really want to hang out with anyone right now. I just want to worship right now. I want to read scripture. I want to pray. Now, that was a season, and I'm not in that season right now, yeah. but that was a season for me, and people didn't even understand. I didn't even understand it. I don't know what was going on with me, but it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and there was good fruit from it, so... Yeah, that's but, interesting. Yeah. An identity shift, really. Yeah. That's huge. Yes. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, so you grew <laughs> up in the church. You were, were so-called Christian all the way through. And then you just had, you, you felt the calling, you went for this, and then that new world just got completely shaken. And honestly, it was, 
I was in survival mode. I didn't have a plan. Like, God had the plan. I just was like, okay, I'll do this thing. I wasn't like, well, I'm going to be a minister someday, so I better go to this school and learn some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like that. It was like, okay, no hope in my situation. Thinking about going there gives me hope. I'm doing that. It was one step at a time. Wow. And then I would like learn this thing about God, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. And then it just grew, you know, baby steps, but rapidly, yeah. <laughs> rapidly. Yeah, every day. I was like in a blender, man. It was, yeah. So how did you know, you just said there was like sandpaper, and that's how you knew it was time to come back. Even though you were in such a like, like in this like huge season of your life where you're growing and you're doing all these things. That's the hard thing. Um, you know, I made that comparison to my, my previous life was like, I live and do what I want and add Jesus kind of to my life to make me feel good. And, oh, then I don't get to go to hell, you know. Yeah. I get to go to heaven, so that's that's kind of a bonus. And went from that extreme to like, oh, he is my life. When you have that paradigm shift, it, it changes changes everything. Um and I just lost complete track of what question you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was asking, like, how you, I mean, you were in this place of growth. You're growing. You're doing all these things. And then you felt the sandpaper. Yeah. You the know? Rub. And then it was, and you. Yeah. So I where I was going that. with that was, um, so what that was, was that was me living my life and being led by my emotions predominantly um, to a place where I now was led spiritually in my spirit by God and um, I still have the option to do what I want to do and sometimes what he wants you to do is what you want to do but not always um, so I in that time of learning and growing I learned to pay attention to what he was telling me to do not necessarily what I wanted to do because what I wanted to do actually was stay there yeah but what he was telling me to do was something different um, and actually it's kind of a cool story of how that even happened because what I did from there was um, uh, I was my second year in New Hampshire as a ministry student intern let's just say that um, I came back and was meeting with my brother-in-law who was the youth pastor uh, at my home church and actually it was Here over home church Here yep yep yeah. I was meeting with him over Christmas break. That's what it was. And I was at his house. We were talking, and I asked him a question. And I was in this, this during this um, transition, uh, one of the things that was happening to me was I was learning to hear God speak to me. Um, and I was getting really good at it because it was just something he was focusing on in my life at that time. And I was, we were talking, and I asked my brother-in-law, I said, so how's how's everything going with the youth, you know, as a youth pastor? And he responded with, oh, it's going great, and just starts going on and on about telling me stuff about it. But right when he said, oh, it's going well, I heard the Lord say, he's going to leave. And I'm like, okay, that was weird. So I, I didn't tell anyone. I think I may have told my wife, but I don't even remember if I told her. I just kind of tucked it away, didn't say anything. And I went back after Christmas break, and all of a sudden, I had this, like, desire. And again, this is that, like, in my mind, like, my emotions, like, I didn't want to be a youth pastor I, at all. 
but there was something in me that was like, well, you should be doing that. So again, that's hard to explain, but so I go back spring break, meet with him again. We're at the coffee shop and he says, you know, um, don't tell anyone. I haven't even shared this with the pastor yet, but I'm actually going to give my one month notice here in X amount of days. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, that was just a total confirmation to me. And I had heard it months before. Hmm. And then he was saying, yep, he, I didn't, he didn't know that I knew that, but I, it was, again, it was a confirmation for me. And, um, so I know he's leaving. This thing is creeping up in me that I'm like, I'm supposed to do that. But I'm like, number one, it's my home church. Number two, I don't want to go there. Number right. three, I don't want to be a youth pastor. I could give you a list of reasons why I'd, I don't want to do it. Right. But I knew I was supposed to. So I thought I was getting out of it by saying this. But I, I told God, I said, okay, if, if, if I am supposed to do this job, they have to come ask me to do it. And I thought, they're never going to ask me to do it. So I'm going to get out of it, right? Yeah. Lo and behold, he tells the pastor he's leaving. And within weeks... I get an email from the pastor. Hey, I was wondering if we, if you'd be willing to meet with you and your wife and I. And I'm like, I here it is. Yeah. Here it comes. And so he, he presents the opportunity. He said, we, you know, school's starting up. We don't have time to go through a pastoral search. We need someone now. Would you be willing to do it? And it, just for an interim position for now, and we'll see where it goes. And I said, well, um, I have to say yes, because, and I kind of told him a little bit of the story. I said, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really need to think about it. I know I'm supposed to do it. So, um, that's cool. It's kind of a cool. So that's what brought you from New Hampshire back to Goshen. Goshen. That's super cool. Yep. Yeah. And then you, you were in that Mm -hmm. role for how long? Four years. Four years. Okay. And then planted the church we're at now. Yep. Okay. So I caught you in the third year. And then you met me in my, your probably first or second year. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That was a fun journey. Yeah. Well, hard in many ways, but, but fun as well. Do you still have that peace that you're going to be in Goshen for a little bit, or have you felt? I do, yeah. yeah. I don't see that change. Well, you never know. I mean, yeah. a year from now, I could be in Africa as a missionary. <laughs> you know, it could, it could happen that quickly, but right. I don't see that happening at this point in time so yeah yeah that makes sense that makes sense that's cool so i had a couple questions one um for someone who doesn't necessarily believe that or believe in god or Mm -hmm. is a christian or whatnot yeah um do you think they still can hear from god and if so what would be the way for them to do that that is an awesome question can they absolutely they do hear from god yeah and actually that was my uh my experience when i was learning to hear god wasn't like sitting and squinting real hard and like conjuring something up and like oh i can hear him now you know it wasn't like suddenly i heard this thing i was uh getting confirmation because we were doing exercises where we practice hearing god and you get feedback did i get it right did i get it wrong and when I was figuring out that I was getting it right, I'm like, oh, that's God? Like, I didn't know that I was hearing him my whole life. And so I really, truly believe it's not like some, you know, th- there are people that are more or less gifted in that ability. 
but everyone can absolutely and i so it's not can they they are hearing god yeah. they may not be listening but they're hearing it so how does one get better at hearing god let's say you're just normal average you know you do a thing you're this you're like, okay i want to hear god how would you figure out maybe you're not going to a church maybe you're not doing anything what would you say like that person does to to even like just confirm. So like for you, you said these different things in your mind, or maybe mm-hmm. not to your mind, but you said you know they need to come ask me. Yeah, I felt like this. They need to come ask me. Those were two major things, and yep. you followed after that. So I mean, some of that's like some people think that's crazy, but for you, it's work. <laughs> it it's, is crazy. But you see these things that are like it is crazy. But you see these these. If you look back, you're like, this happened, this happened, this happened, and for me, it's been some something similar where. Like, I follow a path in my life, yeah. and it's something that um, there has been confirmation in my life for different things. And for, I mean, I don't know all the different paths I could have taken, but I think I'm on one of the better paths in my life. Mm-hmm. So, I would, there's so much to that, but I would simply say, I mean, there's a lot of ways you can practice and things like that. But my first comment would be go after it, seek it, practice it. One of my biggest frustrations with people in church is that we spend a lot of time and money and energy and effort on everything but learning to know him and hear his voice. And then we complain that we can't hear his voice. But how much time do we actually spend trying? We don't. So, like, uh, for example, um, you know, we, we... I used to play basketball, I used to play baseball, I used to play soccer. I played those sports for hours, and I got better at them. I never paid attention to God in my life, really, because he was just kind of a a notch on my belt to make me feel good, like like I talked about. Um, So I would make these completely irrational complaints about, I never hear God speak. Well, I wasn't even listening for God to speak. I wasn't trying to hear him speak. Why would I hear him? Now, he was speaking all along, and there I look back now, and there were clear ways he guided me and everything. And I didn't know that that was him, but it clearly was. Um, but that's only in hindsight. In the moment, it was like, I know God speaks, but I don't ever hear him. Yeah. So my first, my first comment would be, like, number one, ask him to speak, and actually pay attention. Listen. Try. Um, anything that's worth doing is worth putting time into. If you want to get good at something, you you spend time and effort getting good at it. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's one of my biggest frustrations with church people. They will spend time and energy getting better and doing all these other things and then wonder why they feel like such a loser Christian. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, well, let's look at your, let's look at your calendar. How much time do you spend with God? Well, I don't okay maybe that should change a little bit you know so so again it's not a religious activity thing it's just a you know heart thing but what is your focus and attention on so that's where i would start and honestly um god speaks in many different ways so it's it's hard to nail it down to to one but you know i've had so many different confirmations that i know that i know that i know that he speaks to me yeah I mean, yeah. for example, I've had dreams that come true. 
well how the heck does that happen yeah you know and yeah. Bi- the bible says he speaks in dreams thing. so it's so yeah i mean how do you explain that one i can't yeah i didn't tell myself in a dream that something was gonna i don't know the future you know yeah you can't i think a lot of people do it's interesting because i think a lot of people it's a roommate, but i think a lot of people um <clears throat> have dreams and stuff but we don't talk about it because it's weird to yeah. talk about <laughs> it is it's weird here's the you know what's weird our culture is weird we're the only culture in the world that does not value dreams wow both in and outside of the christian church you go to you know many 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 different countries and they will say oh i had this dream what do you think it means they know there's meaning in dreams it's only in our uh um, so like Puritan, Aristotelian, whatever you call it, mindset where we are so logic driven. You can't if you can't figure it out logically, it doesn't exist. It's not real. Yeah, which is complete baloney. Yeah, and um, so in our society, we just have thrown it out completely. Yeah, and it's one of the major ways that God speaks. It's not like an obscure way. It's actually it's in Scripture like over two hundred times. It's not, and it's not in just like the Old Testament or the New Testament. It's it's peppered all throughout. Um, he spoke to Christians and non-Christians through James. I mean, um, it's it's not not obscure. Yeah, yeah. And when I, so here's a funny thing. I had a I was at college in my psychology class as a freshman, and my psychology professor, who is a Christian. Um, said who all thinks that dreams uh, god speaks in dreams and no one raises their hand and i didn't either because i'm like i don't really know <laughs> you know because that's where, just where i was at that time in my life yeah. and he said good that's a bunch of bunk and i looked back and i'm like oh my gosh how sad is that yeah. does he read his bible how can we say that god doesn't do that anymore why would he stop yeah you know if he's been doing it for so long, why would he? Yeah. All of a sudden, he's just like, ah, I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. That's really interesting. That's cool. I think a lot of people, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed going to the Church of the Movement is because it, it's been things that I've been learning about that weren't ever taught to me as a kid. You know, and my parents, they were open to that stuff. But as a kid, I was almost like indoctrinated to be like oh don't think those thoughts because that's craziness mm-hmm. yeah. and then as i'm getting older i'm like yeah but the that craziness has led me down some really good things yeah so why what and it's sad that that's the church i was going to was telling me that that's craziness yeah and i'd see some stuff and i'm like that's really weird i'm not handle well that. there is crazy stuff yeah <laughs> that is not good <laughs> yeah really. and that's the hard part so we want to throw it all out right because we again we can't control it that's the the real key yeah. Well, I can't control this. I don't know where it's going, so no. Let's shut that down. Yeah, let's cut that out. That's interesting. So, um, I have a bunch of different questions for you. Yeah, uh, throw them at me. Yeah. So I'll, I'm gonna deviate a little bit from this, but so you, like I said, has been have been someone that's been super influential in my life, in formative years. Not how formative, but I feel like I was coming to my manhood. At after college, trying to figure out who I was, who my identity was, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but who's been someone like that for you? Hmm. I, I mean, I can think of three people right off the bat. 
one of them who's not living anymore, Scott Evelyn, who was yeah. my mentor out in New Hampshire. I was um, lucky enough to meet him. Yeah, uh, great, um, amazing, yeah. funny, weirdest guy I've ever met. <laughs> I mean, yeah. hands down, one of the weirdest people I've ever met. Yeah. And actually, there were many, many times when I would ask God, very puzzled, why in the world did you pair me with him? Yeah. Like, why him and me? We are such opposites. Yeah. But he helped me so much. Just, yeah. Was he a platform that you jumped off of, kind of? He just whacked me over the, t- the head with a two-by-four <laughs> with um, non-religious spirit. Just no churchiness, like real genuine love for God and people. Mm. But if I would start speaking in some religious junk, he would just be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it would just make me realize like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it was just really good. Um, he was very provoking in a good way. Mm. Um so he's one of them, and also one of the funniest people I've ever met. Just super offensive in in some ways, but you know, a lot of people actually were super afraid of him because he's a you know pretty big stature guy, looked yeah. like a biker dude. Yeah, he's really a teddy bear. But people couldn't get past his rough exterior. And the other thing is, he had been so crushed by God in a good way. He had no fear of man. He didn't care what you thought about him. Yeah, And that's part of what made him scary to people because he wasn't walking around trying to make you like him. He didn't care. Yeah. He loved you, but he didn't care what you thought about him. Yeah. And that really made people feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Very oh, uncomfortable. Yeah. So he was, he was super influential. Um, I got along with him so well though. Yeah. I think, because you took a group of us. Yeah. So you, you had a cigar with him, didn't a you? Cigar. The funny thing is like, he's like a, almost a hermit on top of a mountain. Like I went and met a wise man on top of a mountain. Like I can say I've done that. Yeah. It was really weird. But at, yeah. at, like our whole group was Lacey, Hadassah. They were like, okay, we don't know what to do with him. Because he came up, <laughs> we were up on the mountain doing stuff and he and then we tried to talk to him. But he was just the coolest guy ever. And he was so, yeah. I really, yeah, I really connect with him. He said a lot of things to me that would have stuck with me for a long time. That's, that's it was how like, he, that's I only got, was two hours with him but it's been something that has been pretty impactful for me he's one of the people you know there's that saying they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good i think it should be they're so heavenly minded they're earthly amazing yeah and he's one of those people yeah he literally sometimes was no earthly good in some ways like he was so connected with what god was saying and doing in heaven and when he was interacting with you, he was in touch with that so much that he just almost came across as weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really? It's like, this guy's either crazy or just like, I don't know. But then he would say something to you and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. what are you talking about? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, he said too many things that have rang true for me to not believe. Like, yeah. He said, he was like, I don't know how to explain it other than like, he's kind of like Alex Jones in a way. Does that make sense? I don't know who that is. Alex Jones. Okay, never mind. This guy's. You like you listen to him. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then you like actually get into it. You're like, okay, this guy's has a lot of truth. Now the, he was not infallible by any means. In right. fact, right. getting to know him as well as I did, I saw a lot of his faults, and he was just a man. Yeah, he really was, um, but a exceptional man. And so I honor him in many ways for a lot of the things that he 
gave to me and did for me because he was a servant really he he served me to get me where i was supposed to go um and that's a true father so he's one of them uh, michael french is another and then john thomas is another all actually connected with each other all know each other um live in different parts of the country but um also all very different yeah carry maybe the same dna or essence to them but also carry very different things yeah and uh, so all three of them very influential in my life and have um you know I, I believe it's really important to have people in your life that not just they say something and you're like oh i'm going to use that one you know but people that you say <clears throat> um i need to grow i need to be under authority and i need to be accountable to someone would you do that for me hmm. And I've done that with all of those people. And so they know, I mean, straight up, like, if they see something in my life that doesn't look good, they can call me out. In fact, I invite them to do that. And so that's the kind of relationship I have with, with them. That's cool. Um, but it's also built a really cool relationship with, with them. So, And it's weird because, like, in some ways we're peers. Yeah. Like, on, on the surface, like, when you look at what we do, we each, you know, we all lead ministries and uh, and businesses in some sense um but you know i look at them and i'm like i'm not up here with you like teach yeah. me you know yeah um it's just, they're, they're more pouring into you yeah. it feels like yeah. yeah it's interesting but at the same time and this is a, a testament to how just mature they are and worth learning from they would never hesitate to learn from me or a kid for that matter because they're no one has all the right answers and yeah. god can speak through anyone yeah. and uh i've had that happen to myself too where he speaks through an ass <laughs> <laughs> you know that's cool we are we're about an, uh, an hour but i have a bunch of other questions <clears throat> but um we can kind of go for however long you know what i'm saying <clears throat> you own me for the night so cool. right. <laughs> you can go as long as you want um i know one thing that you um you're passionate about is my generation because mm-hmm. you've really poured into a lot of people my age a little younger mm-hmm. um my question is what do you think is one of the difficult struggles that my generation is dealing with like, mm-hmm. what's the thing that we're dealing with that other generations haven't Wow. Yeah, I know. That's a good. And then what's what's something our generation has that is just unique to us as well? So you can answer both of those however you want to answer. Well, for, I can easily write off the bad answer, the second one. Okay. Um, and that would be your generation is made for experience. You are not okay with just being told something and that's great. You need to experience it. Yeah. Um, and it's... It's even, you can see that in everything. You know, instead of making a 25 cent cup of coffee in your coffee maker at home, your generation will spend the extra money to go to the, you know, get a pour over Mm -hmm. because of the experience, because of the atmosphere, because of the people you interact with, because of the smells, because of, you know, you fill in the blank. And I could go on many different examples, um, not involving coffee, but perfect example um your generation wants to experience things 
So, um, and that's a good thing. Um, so that's one thing that I think is unique. Um, now, as for the other question, gosh. Yeah, that's a pretty tough one. I have a question. I'll piggyback off the, think about that one. Okay. But I'll piggyback off, the, off of the one that I just asked you. Since our generation wants to experience things, do you think that's why a lot of our generation is leaving the church? Because they're not experiencing God in the church? Absolutely. Okay. Um, th- if they see religion, they are done. They don't want religion. That's pretty gross. And and honestly, good for them. Because religion, if you're looking for religion, you've missed the point. Um, I mean, Jesus went after religion because the religious leaders didn't have a clue. Yeah. You know, and Jesus was like, wait a second. You know, all those scriptures you know, they all speak of me. And I'm standing right in front of you and you can't even see it. Which shows how far off base you are. Yeah. Um, because I'm what all those scriptures are talking to, talking about. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that's it's a it's a strength. It's not a weakness at all. Um, and that's one reason why I think, and this is just a guess, but I think that's why our church attracts young people because we don't do the fluff, we don't do religion, we don't do that, um, and there is something genuine about what we're trying to do yeah we're not perfect we don't do everything right i mean that's for, for sure it's apparent, yeah. um but if you're looking for something real and authentic which many millennials are that's what i think is a draw for them um yeah. so yeah and i think you, that's why you've seen the millennial generation flock away from the church in droves it's the hardest generation to attract in the church. And again, I wouldn't... I, this may be a, an odd thing to say, but good for them. Because they're they're not running away from Jesus. They're running away from a misrepresentation of him. Hmm. So That's cool. So if someone presents Jesus to them, they'll be all over it. Yeah. So. They want authenticity. They want truth. They want yeah. real. Yeah, I, I think that that's... Uh, I hesitate saying I'm a Christian a lot of times. I just want the truth. And so I feel like I was, that's what I'm searching after. And through that, I found Jesus. And I got, that's how I've, that's the path that I've taken. And so when you say Christian, it's like all these bad connotations. Yeah. Well, so. and the, the sooner a Christian realizes that truth is a person, the sooner they will experience what they're supposed to experience. And yeah. not be lacking. I've had many uh, conversations slash debates slash arguments with Christians that are that believe that truth is is a fact, and it's not a fact. It's a mm. person. Mm. And uh, you just can't debate with those people. You know, one one of my favorite scriptures is First Corinthians four twenty that says. The kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of power. And again, it's that it's not so much like, well, I can convince you that God is real because I've got quite this argument and I've got apologetics and I've I know how to how to I know the science behind it and all the facts and no, you just when God touches you, you can say I don't know what that was, but that was real and I want that. Yeah, that's the kingdom. Yeah, that's so, cool. 
That's awesome. All right, I guess uh, one last question, um, similar to the one that I asked for our generation. But what about Goshen? What do you think is the is something that is unique to Goshen, and what's something that um, is a struggle for Goshen? What would you say? <laughs> I'm hitting you with the hard questions over here. These are good. Hmm. One of the unique things about Goshen, um, I think it's unique. I haven't been, I mean, I've traveled, but I haven't been everywhere in the world. Um, and I've only lived in a few places, but I would say, um, let me start with the, the struggles. <laughs> the religious spirit, what we were just talking about. That's one of the biggest hurdles. This community is steeped in religion and works and performance like there's a lot of fear of man and by that I just it's a maybe a fancy way of saying a lot of people base everything they do on what are they going to think well what are they going to think if I do this what are they going to think if I do that oh my gosh that is uh, it's painful it's um, tiring and you will never walk in freedom in that. So that's a definitely a strong um, battle that this general area, and I, it's, it's, it's thick. It's pretty thick. Um, that being said, one of the strengths actually of this community is um, the sense of community. Hmm. Now, it may not manifest in genuine community, but there's at least maybe a counterfeit of it and an attempt at it. Um, and I wonder, as I'm thinking about it, I wonder what kind of amazing things this, the people of this community could do if there was real, true unity. Um, kind of a sense of oneness. Um, I think it could be amazing, honestly. Yeah. So, there is there is a huge. You're right. Sense of community. I feel that. I feel that. I felt that a lot. Yeah. Um, whether it's real or or manufactured, like you said, I think there's a there's enough of a thread of real community underlying, and that's what there's keeps a it. hunger for it. Yeah. People are, are and, and with anything, you know, people are searching for what that actually looks like, what it's supposed to look like. They're at least, but there's there's a vacuum there. There's a longing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and there's quite a bit of diversity, I think. In a, in a small community, we have quite a bit of diversity. You know, you've got Amish, yep. <laughs> Mennonite, yep. Mexican uh, Latino in general, Russian, mm-hmm. um, and then the college kind of brings in a, a eclectic mix of different uh, cultures. Um, it's pretty unique, um, and and just just the Amish. I mean, there aren't very many pockets in the world where there are Amish, so we're kind of unique in that sense as well. Yeah. As I've traveled, I found that I was like, this is crazy. But yeah. you know, back if you want to put it in terms of the church again, um, on on the topic of Amish. Uh, the Amish people, I love seeing Amish people get saved. And the reason for that is, like I mentioned, I'll go back to what I was talking about myself. Like, you know, I, I used to live my life and add Jesus to my life. 
right? I, but I did what I wanted to do. The thing about Amish people is that they have set their entire life up counterculturally, against the grain. Anyone that can, in this day and age, when there are vehicles zooming by, you can buy a Tesla, and they're riding in a buggy. Yeah. You know, you can buy from Amazon any clothes you want, and they're wearing handmade, certain specific countercultural clothes. Yeah. Um, you're connected to, you know, a, a cell phone in your pocket that has more computing power than what went, went to the moon, and they have no electricity. Yeah. I mean, that is commitment. So you turn them on to Jesus, they don't know anything but how to go after him with everything. Mm. So I love seeing Amish people get saved because they're, they're all in. They're not like dabbling. They're in. That's what I've seen generally speaking. So, that's awesome. So that, honestly, that's a, that's a strength of our community as well. Yeah. I think we get a lot of our sense of community from the Amish community because they are... They have such a deep sense of community. They do. They actually do some things that they do. I think they do much better than most most uh, people groups. Yeah, they do it re- very well. Think so too. My son went to elementary with sixty percent Amish. He was a minority. It's crazy. So I want to get an Amish person on my podcast. <laughs> there you That's go. I'm, I'm working. I know a couple, and it's and it's his. Their life is so similar yet so unique. Yeah. And we live next to them 24-7. It's, and a lot of people that I talk to come from that route. Yep. From that, that's a very deep, it's ingrained part of Goshen. Very influential culture in this community. Yeah. Most people, I don't think, understand how much influence it has on our culture. Even if you haven't grown up or known anyone personally that's grown up Amish, it has so heavily influenced this community, people don't even realize it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty profound. It's crazy. So, well, cool. I, do you have any last things you want to say? You know, to the viewers. No, to man. The, this has been fun. This has yeah. been fun. <laughs> you kind of uh, forget that this is here, really. Yeah, you just really. Talking. I I didn't know what to expect at all, but you know, I didn't think we'd get into half of what we did. But it was fun. <laughs> that was fun. So this part. Um, where can people find you if they want to get connected with you? So most people, you know, will throw out their social medias but if you want to give like an email or yeah a place so to... i am not a social media person yeah i am on facebook but i don't use it hardly at all yeah i just don't like it particularly i don't blame um, you <laughs> but a good way to contact me would actually be our probably our church website would be the movement goshen.com cool and then you know information on how to get a hold of me would be on there so uh, and some videos and stuff i don't know we don't haven't posted anything in a long time, but there's some old stuff on there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or come yeah. check us out. I mean, I'm there. Yeah. You're there. Every Sunday at, at 10. So. Yeah. It's a good time. Cool. Well, Kyle, I, I appreciate you coming in on and talking. Thanks uh, for having me. I have a good feeling this won't be the last one. So. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll be fun. I'll <laughs> love just, to do it again. Just scratch the surface. All right. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, this one meant a lot to me. Love Kyle. And hopefully you can see why I love him so much. Um, you know, he, like I said, has been a mentor, someone of wisdom, and has just given me so much. Um, I mean, we don't agree about everything, but man, we agree about most stuff. And he's just really directed my path. I really, I really appreciate that. 
and he is the type of guy you can talk to. Um, you know, feel free to contact him. Like, seriously, dude, if you want to talk to him about, if you have questions about anything, you know, we didn't get a ton into stuff, but he doesn't have answers, but he has a lot of wisdom. I mean, there's something a little bit deeper than people who just have answers. He just makes you think, he gives you perspective, and contact him for sure. And I'm just, I'm thankful that I was able to, able to have him on there. And I'm glad you guys listened all the way through. Um, you know, I want to give a, this is my favorite part of the podcast, honestly. Not my favorite. Every part of it is my favorite part of this podcast. But I want to give a shout out uh, to my homie, Abe. Um, and I, he is, Abe's going to be on the podcast at some point. You guys will hear him. Um, but he, he is on SoundCloud. And so I want to just shout out his SoundCloud real quick. Um, you can find him on Burgundy, B-U-R-G-U-N-D-Y. And um, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Abraham dash Medellin dash one. And Medellin is spelled M-E-D-E-L-L-I-N. Um, so Abraham dash M-E-D-E-L-L-I-N slash one. Um, and he has some really awesome music. I'm just going to play a clip real quick to 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 end this podcast. Seen a whole lot of here, a lot of talk, I'm trying to find another way. Panic at the start, fell apart from what we are, I let us break a play. Laying out amongst the stars, I never found myself when I was on the ground. Playing another card, the push intelligent to get too far.